This is Fire Rescue One Side Alpha Podcast, putting fire service leaders in front of hot topics facing firefighters today. Now here's the executive editor of FireRescueOne.com and FireChief.com, Chief Mark Bashore. Okay, I'm here today with Bill Webb, Executive Director for the Congressional Fire Services Institute. Bill, how are you doing today? Good. It's good to talk to you. I hope things are well down in Florida. Florida as well. It's uh, hot as it is most times of the year, but uh, I know it's not nearly as hot as it can be in the world of politics, and that's a lot of what Bill Webb has done for the last 25 years as the Executive Director for the Congressional Fire Service Institute, is to deal with the heat that is, uh, revolves around politics. And Bill, I wanted to talk for just a couple minutes about uh, how politics can be intimidating for fire chiefs. I mean, that's generally how it is. And maybe you could help explain for our uh, listeners how the Congressional Fire Service Institute helps the fire service navigate those politics to make things safer and, and better for our firefighters. Well, you know, you shouldn't be intimidated by politics. I always say, you know, the perception that we have of Congress, the negative perception, a lot of times it's based on Congress collectively, the House, the Senate. But when you get down to it and when you start talking to the individual members, to a large extent they are just like us. You know, they want to learn. They want to hear from fire service officials, you know, where the rubber does meet the road. How are these grant programs impacting our firefighters at the local level? How are these programs that come out of USFA, how is the training uh, and the teaching that comes out of the National Fire Academy, how is that having an impact one way or the other on local uh, firefighters? And the best people who can deliver that message is your local fire chief and your local fire official. Yeah, absolutely. So how can those local fire chiefs and local fire officials, can you explain how they can not only become involved with CFSI, but how they can help CFSI do the job that it does? Well, you know, CFSI, we're an organization that does not have any individual members. We have what's called a National Advisory Committee, and there are 38 National Fire Service organizations that serve on that committee, including the International Association of Fire Chiefs, the IFF, the NBFC, and others. Uh, and so, again, we work collectively, we work together with those organizations to find those consensus issues that we can address collectively up on Capitol Hill and so that we can, you know, deliver a, a unified message that's what members of Congress want to hear. They don't want to hear anything divisive. You know, we always say when our fire organizations meet, you know, together in Washington, D.C., you know, we resolve any differences. We look at the challenges and, you know, kind of come to an agreement outside of the office. But when we step foot in that member's office, we're there to, again, deliver a unified message. And so for the local fire official, a lot of times they can contact CFSI. We can provide that information. They can look at the IFC website or contact their government affairs director, Kim LaSala, and ask, you know, what types of message should we be delivering, and then report back on how the outcome of that meeting went with their members of Congress. Yeah, can, can you give them an idea of some of the things that CFSI has been able to help with? Why is it important to them uh, beyond, you know, the obvious of becoming involved in politics? What issues is it the CFSI has been able to work on that uh, those local fire chiefs are likely to have had a, a direct impact from? Well, you know, first and foremost, you have to look at the AFG and SAFER grant programs. Uh, I uh, attended a meeting back in, what, 2000, 1999 or 2000 in Congressman Bill Pascrell's office in New Jersey when some fire service officials were actually there with a, a blank piece of paper and, and, and pens in their hand 
and discussing the ideas for putting together a grant program. Those ideas on paper evolved into a piece of legislation, and CFSI played a, a, a very important role in that whole process, bringing together the Republicans and the Democrats and bringing together the fire organizations at the national level to put together some ideas on paper that formed the basis of what became the FIRE Act that eventually was approved by Congress in uh, the year 2001. You know, and since those programs have been in place, you know, millions of dollars, well, billions of dollars have gone out to local fire departments, again, to address the baseline needs. And so, again, our primary role is to, is to you know, bring everyone to the table and kind of sort through these issues and resolve these differences. Uh, so, again, you know, we can, we can work in the, in the spirit of bipartisanship up on the Hill and work, you know, together as fire service organizations to address our challenges. Yeah, and, and those Fire Act grants and all the grant programs, you're right, billions of dollars. I don't uh, think that the uh, average local fire chief really understands what kind of impact CFSI has had on advancing those programs. So it, uh, it really does, uh, I, I think when you drill it down to that specific program or those specific programs of the grant programs, that might resonate uh, most with these chiefs because I can point to any number of them around me here in Florida or back in Maryland or the different places where I've worked that uh, they have directly benefited from those grant programs and I'm sure that you can uh, directly point to things that CFSI has done or been involved with uh, that have, uh, have made those grants reality. So uh, I appreciate the help CFSI has uh, put together to, to make sure that those grant programs advance. What other initiatives does uh, CFSI involved with that is important for the listeners to, to know about? Well, another issue that we have dealt with is the Public Safety Officers Benefit Program. Uh, a little while ago, I lost my government affairs director, who's been carrying the load on that issue for the past uh, 10 or 12 years, making sure that the, uh, that the uh, Bureau of Justice Assistance, uh, which is part of the Department of Justice, was uh, issuing the claims to uh, uh, the family members of our fallen firefighters. Uh, there has been some legislation throughout the year that allowed first responders, fire, law enforcement, you know, to receive the benefit if they succumb to uh, uh, heart attacks. But again, we have some folks within these agencies that kind of make our lives miserable at times and uh, uh, don't necessarily uh, uh, address the, uh, the benefits uh, the way we think they should be. And so CFSI participates in monthly meetings with the Bureau of Justice Assistance and other federal or in other public safety organizations, again, to make sure that BJA administers that program the way uh, that Congress intended when it first authorized the program and has uh, made changes to the program throughout the years. Uh, you know, we do a lot of work with the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. Uh, you know, I, I, as you know, I am the vice chair uh, of the foundation. But to make sure that, uh, you know, the, the United States Fire Administration uh, provides the support for the Fallen Firefighters Foundation to conduct the memorial service each and every year. We work with the North America Fire Training Directors uh, to see uh, to make sure that we can try to get some money in the USFA's budget so that these state training facilities can uh, conduct uh, NFA courses uh, at the uh, you know within the various states rather than bringing everyone out to Emmitsburg. We've done a lot of work too in the whole issue of uh, interoperability and the, the the broadband system that's been set up for public safety purposes. Uh, again, to ensure that uh, you know jurisdictions and, and uh, various agencies 
have the systems in place to be able to communicate with them amongst each other. Yeah, that FirstNet system is going to be uh, really uh, critical for our public safety agencies as that matures across the country. It's just now being uh, connected in, in portions of Florida here now. I know there are states that have been online and testing with it, and uh, that uh, has been a really significant progress, and I appreciate CFSI's help getting that FirstNet program um, up and running. Yeah, and you know, know the Chiefs, ISC, they've been working on a piece of legislation that, uh, as you well know, there's the T-band, and there are a number of jurisdictions, larger urban uh, departments, metro departments that uh, use that T-band. Uh, and as part of the, uh, uh, the uh, efforts or part of the law, you know, that was uh, created the uh, uh, first uh, net um, they're going to have to give up that T-band, I believe, in 2020, 20, like, excuse me, 2021. And that, and that can't happen because, again, there are a lot of jurisdictions that use that T-band. They paid uh, for the communication systems that use that T-band. And so CFSI, we're working with, uh, with the chiefs and others, uh, again, on legislation that would uh, prevent that uh, auction from happening. Yeah, that's going to be a pretty big deal. We're going to be watching that. I know uh, a lot of uh, organizations across the country are going to be watching that and wherever we can help out. Um, that's one thing I want to make sure I cover now while we're thinking about that. So, you know, there are times where CFSI has a call to action, uh, really needs chiefs to be able to reach out and uh, to connect with their elected officials. Is there uh, a particular uh, site or number that folks can call Certainly, we have uh, www.cfsi.org. Uh, from that, is there anything in particular that you would direct people to to be able to connect with you or the correct people at CFSI to, uh, you know, to uh, answer when that call comes? Well, I've never been known to give short answers, so let me give you a long answer here. Uh, go to our website. What we have is on our website, we have the listing for the Congressional Fire Services Caucus. That's members of Congress. Uh, who uh, joined the caucus uh, to, to learn more about the fire and emergency services, to learn about their challenges, to learn about their needs, and to learn about the federal programs that benefit our firefighters. Uh, take a look at that list and find out whether or not your member is serving on the caucus. If he, he or she is not, uh, give us a call and we can provide information that you can share with that member, uh, spelling out the benefits of serving on the caucus, why they need to serve on the caucus. Uh, we have a legislative page that, uh, again, tracks all of our legislation that, uh, you know, that we support, uh, as do all the other organizations. And so, you know, timing is everything in Washington, D.C. Uh, you know, there are times to, to make that phone call, and then there are times to hold back. And so that's why we and other organizations will send out these advisories, we'll send out these issue alerts, and, and urge folks to call Capitol Hill when the time is right. You know, when that piece of legislation is moving through committee, when that piece of legislation is down on the floor for a vote. So it really does come down to timing. There's no question about that. Yeah, and I, I think uh, you made a great point about getting to them at the right time, because I, I think a lot of times, especially when you get into the more local and, and deeper into the country, uh, the fire chiefs, they, they have not uh, had the exposure to the process, and they just... Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, I think they just uh, believe it evolves. And the reality is that you've, many times, I know you've reached out and said, okay, Chiefs, it's time to make those calls. Mm -hmm. uh, it's time to get involved. And that's important for them to hear, that uh, if they can monitor through 
CFSI.org uh, that they uh, will get the information they need to know when it's the right time to call. Yeah, it was interesting. Uh, again, going back to the year 2000 when we were getting AFG safer uh, off the ground, it's actually just AFG at the time. And, you know, we were working closely with Senator John Warner's office from Virginia. He was, uh, I believe, the committee chair that had oversight of the legislation. And his staff kept telling me about, well, I talked to Chief Plogger. I talked to Chief Ed Plogger about this, and this is what he told me. And so, fortunately, you know, Chief Plogger, who was the Arlington County Fire Chief at the time, he was the chief when, you know, unfortunately when the Pentagon got hit. But, again, fortunately, uh, Chief Plogger and CFSI and IFC and all the other organizations were talking, you know, were delivering a consistent message. And, and again, that's, that's, it, that's what it all boils down to, delivering that consistent message. You know, we'll do it at the 30,000-foot level, but, again, we leave it to the local folks to do it, you know, at the, at the uh, ground level to get that message through. Okay, fantastic. So uh, before we uh, leave here, I want to talk about a couple of the uh, things that I know CFSI has been involved in. One uh, in particular, when I was in Prince George's County uh, there, I know that uh, the, you know, the local uh, International Association of Firefighters um, affiliate had a Fire Ops 101 event every year. I believe they still do. And I know that CFSI was, uh, had their own event with them that, uh, where they brought out representatives and they brought out staffers. Can you talk about that and, and what your folks have learned from that and if there's any stories that uh, can directly show a benefit for the fire service? Sure. Uh, again, you have congressional staff. A lot of these congressional staffers you know, are you know, two years out of college, three years out of college. You have committee staff. They're the more seasoned veterans. But then you have the, the staff in, in the D.C. offices and some in the uh, local uh, district offices. You know, their understanding of the fire service is based on what they see rolling down the streets, the red fire engines, the, uh, the medic units, uh, and such. They don't, understand, they don't understand the training. They don't understand how much a piece of turnout gear costs, a radio system costs. Uh, they don't understand, you know, the codes and the standards that are in place that govern the fire service to a large extent. So teaming up with the Maryland Fire and Rescue Institute, we have been conducting a program for the past 26, 27 years where we will take congressional staff out to the Maryland Fire and Rescue Institute, put them in the turnout gear, and send them through an, uh, a series of uh, training uh, exercises. You know, the charged hose line, confined space, uh, uh, the, the burn building. Again, to sensitize them, to help them understand why it costs so much to train and equip our first responders. And it really leaves a favorable impression. I should it leaves an incredible impression with these folks. You know, we take interns, we take staff who've been on board for just a year. These are the folks who, you know, two, three, four years down the road, they might be a legislative director, they might be a chief of staff. And so, and then we also will do ride-along programs with D.C. Fire and in Prince George's when you were chief there, you were always so kind to allow us to bring staff out there to ride on the vehicles for a day to let them see what it's like, you know, responding to these calls day in, day out. And it really leaves a, a, an impact in their mind, and we ask them to share that experience with their members of Congress so that when these bills come through, they, they know why we need the federal funding. Yeah, and it's, it really is critically important, and it uh, developed, I know for me, and it certainly would could for any of these chiefs, uh, lifelong uh, relationships with some of these folks uh, that uh, has, has uh, uh, 
shown benefits over the years, time after time. So the uh, other chiefs I know and other affiliates with IFF have had these Fire Ops 101 opportunities, Fire Ops 101 opportunities, and um, it doesn't have to necessarily be affiliated with the IAFF folks. It can be any program that is. I strongly encourage you to affiliate it with your state training program or uh, the, you know the local authority having jurisdiction for the training. But get out there with them, invite the media, invite the politicians. Uh, the more people that we can uh, that we can uh, expose to the things that we do, and in the case of the event there in Maryland, I know we even uh, in the last few years we began introducing them to uh, how ambulances and medic units. Uh, are involved in our process and actually putting people in the back of a, a medic unit, driving them around the campus while they're trying to do CPR on a mannequin. And so they understand the complexities uh, that our firefighters and paramedics are going through. It's uh, everything from the mazes to the burn buildings to the ambulances. Great opportunity. I strongly encourage people to become involved in those things at their local level. Uh, and then that will that filters up to this event that uh, CFSI coordinates there at MIFRI. Great opportunity. The other uh, big event that I know you have is uh, the annual symposium and dinner. And mm -hmm. at that event, I'll talk about that here in just a second. But okay. there are several awards that uh, are uh, given out there annually: the Mason Langford uh, Fire Service Leadership Award, the Ann Phillips Award, the Paul Sarbanes uh, uh, Safety Leadership Award, uh, the CFSI uh, Massimo Excellence in Fire Service based. EMS award and then the legislator of the year. Uh, can you talk about a uh, little more about the symposium and the importance of that and uh, how folks could get involved in that if they want to? Sounds good. Uh, uh, it is a fundraising event. I'll, I'll full disclosure there. But uh, this National uh, Fire and Emergency uh, uh, Symposium and, and Dinner Program provides an opportunity for the fire service to make its uh, to make it itself uh, uh, its presence felt up on Capitol Hill. Uh, we get about 1,500 fire service leaders attending the program every year. We conduct a series of seminar programs, as you uh, mentioned, uh, and then we cr create a lot of time in the schedule for our fire service officials to go up to Capitol Hill, wearing their uniforms, showing their colors. Uh, you know, we can provide information that they can share with their members of Congress. They might want to talk about federal pieces of legislation or they might want to talk about local issues. But this is the opportunity, you know, for the fire or the fire service as a whole, career volunteer, chiefs, uh, instructors, arson investigators, again, to make its presence felt up on Capitol Hill. And then the culmination of the event is the National Fire and Emergency Services Dinner. Uh, we've had uh, three presidents speak at that, four pre uh, vice presidents, cabinet secretaries, and of course our fire caucus leaders. And we do present four awards, national awards. As you said, the, the Langford Award, it's uh, co-sponsored by CFSI and Motorola Solutions. And that award recognizes leaders at the national level who have had a positive impact on the fire service, advancing fire service issues uh, to the benefit of all first responders. Uh, we have the Ann Phillips Award. That's one that we uh, co-sponsor with IFSTA. Uh, Ann Phillips was a part of the uh, National uh, Commission on Fire Prevention and Control that issued America Burning, and this one goes towards public safety educators. Uh, the Sarbanes Award, Senator Paul Sarbanes, he wrote the legislation that created the National Fallen Firefighters Foundation. This, uh, this uh, award goes to fire organizations that are doing stuff to promote the 16 life safety initiatives. Uh, it could be a fire department, it could be an organization, 
Uh, but again, so, uh, an organization that has embraced the initiatives could be one, could be all 16. Uh, and then the Excellence in Fire Service-Based EMS Award is the award we co-sponsor with Massimo. Uh, and that uh, goes towards fire departments that are doing creating innovations in the delivery of emergency medical services. Uh, the great thing about that award is we present it at the, at the dinner as we do all other award presentations. And we also do local presentations uh, uh, where we'll bring in the, the local leaders, the political leaders, uh, again, to acknowledge their support of the fire departments uh, that, uh, that allowed them to, to launch these innovations. The, uh, the information uh, on the awards, we usually start opening up that process in October, November. Uh, if anyone has any questions, uh, please give me a call, and I, I, and I would be more than happy to share any information about these awards. They're great award programs, and it's our way of recognizing leaders who are truly making a difference and making the fire service safer for everybody. Uh, that's fantastic. Um, so if they did want to call you, is there a number you want to give them or just refer them to the website? I'll, I'll give you the, I'm not going to give anyone my cell number, but uh, the, uh, the, uh, the landline is 202-371-1277. Okay, that's 202-371-1277, and that's for the office there where Bill Webb can help you uh, to understand those awards and uh, potentially... Uh, uh, help with the nomination process and, and moving those projects forward. Bill, um, I want to talk a little bit about uh, fire chiefs and the political acumen that's necessary for them to have. And as we close the, our discussion today, uh, I, if you can kind of relate it to everything isn't about elected politics. Uh, politics is, uh, you know, a lot of people think of politics in uh, and, and they immediately think of nastiness. They think of uh, the fights that occur. But one of the things that I've noticed from CFSI, uh, the caucus that has been uh, put together for CFSI, uh, if I understand correctly, it's the largest caucus in Congress, it's nonpartisan, and it's one of the most successful caucuses. So I think if, if I was to be able to point to something for fire chiefs, and we talk about political acumen, not just elected politics, uh, that, that focus on the caucus and it being nonpartisan and uh, the size and the success of it, uh, can you talk just for a minute about that and you know, how that emphasizes the importance of CFSI? Sure. You know, when I first came to town, you know, I, I was, you know, what, uh, 25 years old. I wanted to make a difference. Uh, I loved politics. Uh, and, uh, you know, it was exciting and it was challenging and such. Uh, but after a while, the, the politics kind of got a little old. It started wearing on me. And I, and I, and I, and I thought, you know, it's time for a change. And so uh, I was presented an opportunity to go to, you know, work for CFSI as its executive director. You know, we all have strong political convictions. There's no question in this town. But the beauty of the fire caucus is you have eight co-chairmen, four in the House, four in the Senate, four Republicans, and four Democrats, and they work together in a spirit of bipartisanship to advance these issues. You know, we have Senator Susan Collins, Senator Tom Carper, uh, Senator Lisa Murkowski, John Tester. We have Congressman Hoyer, the House Majority Leader, Peter King, uh, Congressman Boast, uh, Congressman Pascrell. You know, eight, eight members. They are, you know, they're Republicans and, the, and they're Democrats. 
and we live in a very uh, toxic uh, political environment right now. But these eight members, are, they work together. They, they cast aside you know, their, their, their politics, their political affiliation, and work together to, again, advance issues that benefit our fire service. You know, sometimes I get a little frustrated because, you know, people tend to think, you know, oh, because we're the fire service, we should be entitled to this. We should be receiving this. It's a hard sell. You have constituencies up on Capitol Hill every day vying, you know, for a pot of money. And so you can't invest, you, you can't spend all your times on one side of the political aisle. You have to invest your times on both sides. You know, I've always reminded people in my presentations Democrats could be in, are in control of the House this session. Next year, next session, it can be re Republicans. The Senate, the same thing. The White House, the same thing. So you can't really, again, uh, uh, devote all your time and energy, focus all your attention on one side of the aisle. You have to build relationships on both sides. And the caucus leadership is very instrumental in making that happen for CFSI and for the fire service. So, you know... You know, Chief Smith out there in, in uh, the hinterlands of Oregon, you know, he might have strong political convictions, but, you know, when he meets with his member of Congress, cast those aside and just talk about the issues that are important to him as far as the fire service goes, because he might find a receptive ear. He or she might find a receptive ear in that member of Congress on those, on those uh, public safety issues. So that's why, again, the, the caucus... To me, it's not the largest so much anymore, but I would say, without question, it is the most effective and the most respected caucuses up on Capitol Hill. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, you know, we're we're one of those few uh, entities that can truly say, when we come to help you out, we don't ask you whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. We don't mm -hmm. ask you whether you voted or not. We know that you called for us and you need help. And in the case of uh, what I've seen demonstrated by the caucus at CFSI, uh, it's handled much the same way. Uh, they don't ask whether you're Republican or Democrat. Uh, mm -hmm. They ask what the fire service needs. And uh, you're absolutely right that uh, it doesn't just happen. Uh, it, it, ha it happens because uh, groups of people come together to do the right thing. So exactly. that, having that political acumen is uh, significant for fire chiefs and something that I hope they take away from this. Mm -hmm. this session. Anything else that uh, you want to cover today, uh, Bill? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure to, uh, to participate in this. I think uh, I thank Fire Rescue One and Fire Chief. Uh, you are a member of our National Advisory Committee. You've been for a number of years, and so we always look forward to the contributions you make at the, our National Advisory Committee meetings. You know, when we can work together uh, to address these issues, you know, we will go a long way towards uh, helping our, our one million firefighters and EMS uh, personnel who are out there on the streets every day trying to protect our communities. You're absolutely right, Bill, and I, I appreciate you taking the time today. I know you got a, a busy time there in Washington, D.C. I've been talking today with Bill Webb, Executive Director of the Congressional Fire Services Institute. Bill, thanks so much for joining us. This is Mark Bashore with Fire Rescue One and FireChief.com. Keep safe and stay smart.